This is Tom Atkins. Skeleton Crew. Thrill me. Welcome, Boneheads. It is here once again, the iconic classic, The Skeleton Crew Horror Podcast. The podcast that will tickle your funny bone and have you screaming for more. Exclusively at Horrorphilia.com with your trio of numbskulls, Jamie Sammons. I, 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 I like it. Dan Chase. I love fucking you guys, dude. Yo. And Alex Edwards. Yeah, asshole. Woo! You are now entering the bone zone. That hypersleep was good, guys. But, uh, hey, guys, wake up. What are you doing? We have a show to do. Five more minutes. Dude, you have morning wood. Oh, shit, I do have morning wood. After hypersleep, that's going to be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Jamie, you're barely wearing anything. Well, this is how you dress, right? (laughs) You have to strip down to your underwear. I guess. This is how we dress in 1980s version of the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, I wish we really knew what the future would look like. We'd look cooler <laughs> right now. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Skeleton Crew show number 133. I'm not even sure we are, but all because we're in outer space. We're a little delirious, guys. We just woke up from hyper sleep. It's been uh, very long. I can't even keep track, so... I'm a little disoriented. All I know is that today is Alien Day. It is 426. LV426 is uh, the planet name. Right. And that's the planet we're doing this from. We're not in the dungeon right now. We are (laughs) actually on the Nostromo on that planet because we just wanted to do this right. That's the only way you can review Alien, guys. Well, since you woke me up, let's get right to this bad boy. Alien was released in 1979, the year (laughs) I was born. Can you believe that? The year I was born. Amazing. Damn. That's a good, that's that's a great fucking movie to have for the uh, year that you're born, dude. That's great. I guess you did not see it in the theater then? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I was still in my mother's chest. I didn't burst out yet. (laughs) When did you guys see this movie first? Last week. Last week? Really? (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Jamie? Uh, I was very young. It was, I did not see it in the theater, but (laughs) um, it wasn't too far behind that because when I was a kid, this is one of the movies that, that we had on Disco Vision. Yeah, I think I've talked about it before, the laser displayer where you had to, it was in a plastic case, and you put it in, and then halfway through the movie, you had to flip it over and put it back in. Disco Stew loves aliens, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say it was probably 8081 when I first saw this movie and oh, wow. okay. was immediately traumatized to the point where I could not eat spaghetti for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I like when he eats it and it hangs from his mouth. I was I was convinced that uh, we were filled with milk. <laughs> oh, oh my God! 
Dude, that, Jamie, that is the thing that bugged me out more than anything. More than anything was that fucking android milk, dude. I'm all set. I'm good. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have the orange goop in me, like, in Halloween 3. But, yeah, exactly. Dude, that's what I remember, though. Uh, Jamie, you talked about being scarred and being traumatized. Like, that's that's what I remember from Alien is that fucking milk shit. Oh, you can uh, taste it. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I would probably drink my own blood, though. Yeah. <laughs> Alien. I mean, there are so many things to talk about before even diving right into the movie. I mean, there's so many interesting things to talk about in terms of uh, what went into making this movie. It was written by a guy we all love, uh, Dan O'Bannon, and he was obviously uh, famous for our <laughs> our theme songs movie, uh, Return of the Living Dead. He wrote Total Recall. So, you know, we just love him. He's great. Uh, the movie went through like eight rewrites from Walter Hill and they were all like terrible and just going off But the only thing that Walter Hill added to the movie that that made it better was uh, The the robot head knocked off, you know Yep that that was like the one thing he did that made it better But other than that it was all bad and Dan O'Bannon had the right idea to begin with I can't imagine though trying to get that right like you have a movie called alien and it's like where do you even start with that like what is it you know because like that's that's why when i first uh heard of this movie i was going in i was like okay it's a sci-fi movie and i'm thinking in terms like that but i was also getting into horror at the exact same time so when i saw it i was like oh shit no wait this is this is not only horror but this is like some of the best fucking horror out there you know well speaking of that you know it's known as a you know, obviously, like, a sci-fi kind of thing because it's, it's you know, science fiction, obviously. But, you know, the thing that makes, that gives it the horror element is that the biggest influence, one of the bigger influences for Ridley Scott when he, you know, he directed this, obviously. And uh, his influence was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Thank you, Ridley Scott rules. Yeah. That's, that's his big thing. And the other horrific element comes from the artwork of uh, Giger. He is a guy who like uh, paints this like crazy dark imagery. It just it just seems so evil and and dark and sexual and it's like a deviant type artistry. Uh, and he made this book called the Necronomicon. In it is basically all the artwork that led to everything you see regarding the alien the way the alien looked was in that book. Mm -hmm. They actually hired the guy who drew these pictures to come in and then sculpt most of it out. Right. Like, isn't that crazy? No, well, dude, there is a thing. The design of that is so fucking tight. But at the same time, like, you have to do that just right. Like, with that spit coming out, the fucking venom shit. Like, you have to nail it on both fucking ends. You know what I mean? Like, you can have a concept and then try and, like, good luck with that. Like, you know, have fun with that, buddy. And you have to bring that to life. So, yeah, man, that oh, sounds God. fucking badass. Well, Jamie, what do you think of the juxtaposition between the artwork of Giger and the just overall design of all the human uh, aspects of the movie? For example, the spaceship itself that the humans are on, the spacesuits, all the way, all the mechanics, the way they all work and stuff. Like, how do you feel the contrast works for this movie? 
I think it works beautifully. That if you look at the spacecraft itself, as as well as the suits that they're wearing, it it's all very sanitized. I don't know. It's it's like when you picture the future, you picture either like one of two things. It's everything is either very sanitized looking, or everything is very nasty looking, depending Trashed, on which yeah. which f- form of the future you want to head to. And this one, it's all pristine. And then you have the alien itself, which is all dark and uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it is just, it's. Well, it's, it's gritty, but sleek. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's very sleek and almost has like an oily sheen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is you can't beat KY Jelly. an amazing contrast <laughs> between the two. Yeah, no kidding. He's just slobbering everywhere. <laughs> Whereas later in this... I want to have a good laugh. And the guy who actually applied the KY jelly to the alien to make him dripping wet and all that was actually a gay guy. So he was like, more KY all around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you saying, though? Um, later in the series, when you are when we are exposed to the environment of the aliens themselves... You can definitely see the difference there because it has, well, I mean, his work has a very biomechanical right. feel to it. So it all, it looks like gears and, but fleshy gears. Right. And, and bones. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can, the disruption that this creature causes, not only in what it does and what it causes, but just in the look of the surrounding and the and the film itself, if that makes any sense. There's definitely a contrast. Yeah, and then you add in the old, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s computers too, and it just adds that <laughs> that that one <laughs> level of awe. You know what I mean though? Cause like, yeah, right? Does not compute, exactly. And all that stuff is so great. Kind of, you know, when that guy's sitting in the room talking to the computer, little 2001-ish, you know, that's, I got that vibe from it. Oh yeah, well, I mean, with mother, Whenever you're talking to mother, it it has it it's kind of right up there with talking to Hal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole time I, I I that countdown sequence, I kept thinking of Spaceballs, <laughs> the end of Spaceballs when they're all <laughs> fucking running around in the pods. Oh, dude, that movie's so stupid. Yeah, mother is the name of the central drive computer for uh, the Nos- Nostrama. Nos- what is it? I'm I'm you know I'm with names Nostromus. Nostromus, the name is Nostromo. I think you're Nostromo. trying to confuse it with Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Nostradamus. I think he predicted this is going to be a terrible review. <laughs> okay. That was his last album. Ew. His last, uh, his last prediction. And the skeleton crew alien reviews get a suck. Goodbye. <laughs> so, uh, Giger, uh, was, he had a lot of sexual condensations, like, uh, when they walk into... Yes, he did. Like, it looks like they're, he's walk, they're walking into giant vaginas, and, like, a lot of the things are very penis-like. Not crazy in any way. It ain't like a cover of The Little Mermaid or anything. <laughs> there are some, like, you know, things here and there, but, um, like, even everything being wet and stuff. A lot of people would say that nothing goes on in Alien for the first, like, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. but the 30-minute um, mark, they see the eggs and stuff, and... Uh, and I know that the chest burst scene doesn't take place till 55 minutes. A lot of people view that as when the movie kicks off. But, you know, 
in reality, you can be totally engulfed in every minute of this movie, the, the whole first, because it's like two hours, the theatrical. You could literally just gawk at everything that's there. You could just stare at the inside of that spaceship, like that whole opening scene when they're just panning through and they're showing you the whole ship when it's empty and quiet and asleep mm -hmm. and everyone's in hypersleep like we just were. Uh, <laughs> like that, you could just stare at that and just be marveled at it. Like the, the people sat there and put this all, t I couldn't even think of what to put in the room. It'd be like a, it'd be look, look like a, my old apartment. Like I couldn't yeah. even think of what to put in there. <laughs> and these guys <laughs> created this whole thing and it all looks like it works and functions. It all looks legit. That's so cool, you know? I like that we start out so quiet. Yeah, because you're in outer space. It just sort of, and it kind of eases you into it, you know? So there's sort of a lull in the beginning and you just start out taking a little tour and everything's really quiet. I like that part. For me, I think the horror sets in really early on, like way before we get to the chestburster scene. The first big moment for me is when we first encounter the egg and Kane goes to that. I mean, I think that is one of the best jump scares in horror mm -hmm. and it's terrifying. You know, yeah. that whole sequence. It is. So you could... You could just take in all that, but even like I'm saying, even before that, like I'm thinking, like even when the when you see that alien spaceship, is that not the eeriest looking thing? Like when when they view it with their eyes, it's obviously clear and nice, but then then you see it through Ash's eyes or whatever or something. Like he's looking at a computer screen, and that that um that filter of like dirtiness makes it like a hundred times more eerie and scary. Just the view, the angle, the distance of it, the darkness of it, that is scary shit, dude. And, like, you have to, like, be engulfed in it. Dude, Alex, I I'm glad you said that um, going from, like, right right to for the beginning. Because, like, when you look at it, there are parts that could be, like, conceived as boring. Like, there's sections of the movie where not a lot happens. Not a lot happens to move the plot forward and all that. But between the look... Ridley Scott's direction, the look of this movie, like we, like you were just saying, just the just just the feel of it, that and the characters, it's it's hands down like such an easy watch with with not a lot happening. Like I can watch this from from the first frame, like you guys said, and and for me too, it's always getting into the world, like with a movie like this, kind of learning the rules. Like okay, this is their version of the future. Okay, this is how this is gonna kind of play out. Oh, I like those computers in it. So I always thought that that was a strong point. Um, that in itself can move you forward, but then you got the good characters, and it's it's an easy watch with without a lot happening in some instances. I agree with that completely. I don't ever get bored watching this film for even a second. And I think if anyone does, then they seriously suffer ADD. I can't, it's just, there's yeah. so much to take in here. Even the part, um, one of my favorite sequences is a very quiet sequence in a way, but it also is kind of building dread and, and curiosity is when they're doing the exploration in the beginning and you you first see the engineer mm -hmm. which is is just this uh, it's this colossal creature and there's so much that is brought up in your head and like so many questions that you have are never going to fully be answered but you know who is this what I mean you can kind of draw some conclusions oh the space jockey 
Did I say engineer? I meant to say. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, what happened to this creature? What, how did this unfold? And it's just the questions alone it, keep. It cry, it cries for Prometheus. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna find out in about a month. So just hold on. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, see, well, see, I thought Prometheus. See, I didn't see Prometheus yet. And and Ridley Scott said he always wanted to go and make like uh, you know the fifth alien or whatever, and and go back and tell the story of that. You know that space jockey. I mean, just looking at him alone and this whole thing. Like, there's so much. It begs so many answers and I, I didn't see Prometheus yet so I assumed that you did learn I guess you didn't so I guess this new one uh, is where you're going to learn that the Covenant or whatever it's called There's, it, Prometheus is a prequel but it's it's like a prequel to this prequel that's going to be a prequel to this movie uh-huh. and I think since Prometheus did well and it was it was received pretty well by most fans it um, looked amazing it did. It was oh, yeah. gorgeous. It was yeah. a beautiful, beautiful film. And I think that's what everyone is in agreement with is that the film itself is is stunning, but it was just a disappointment overall. Yep. Well, that, that makes sense with him. I mean, Ridley Scott, you know, his big thing before Alien was a movie called The Duelist. And it wasn't a particularly good movie, but it was directed so amazingly and the the vision he had and the way he sees things and the way that he conveys things is just incredible i mean this guy literally just did that movie and like commercials in england and just based off of that stuff they knew that he was the right guy and this movie could have went wrong so many ways alien could have been a roger corman movie like that's what it was (laughs) that's what it was set up to be that's what it was originally going to be. They had no idea that they'd get big interest in this. And uh, they actually, it's funny because when, when Ridley Scott, you know, was hired, he spent three and a half weeks working on storyboards because he's really big on storyboards. If and people know what that is, it looks like a comic book sort of. It like just uh, shows each scene. He draws them out and, and shows how it's all going to play out. And when the, the studio... Shots, yeah. Yeah, the shots, yeah. So when the studio... And he does very detailed ones. And when the studio saw it, it literally doubled the budget. It went from $4.2 million budget to eight point four. Once they saw that, they were like, okay, you know what? Let's make this... We're going to go big. This is going to be an A-list movie. This isn't going to be a Roger Corman film. And it's all thanks to Ridley Scott. And, you know, like we said, the writer Dan O'Bannon and um, the executive producer uh, Ron... Shuss it like those two guys this all came from the those three minds because ron uh is the one who said one of the big things that they had to do with this movie is how do we get the alien on the spaceship and that was a big thing like do we just have him crawl into one of the fucking ducks or something or you know like is it could have went wrong or not wrong just uneventful in so many ways and believe it or not ron shusset is the one who came up with the chest buster scene <clears throat> literally when they were like pushing the script around and trying to get someone to you know make this movie everybody said you know just read it and there's a scene in this movie where this alone is gonna make the movie and every time everybody read the script they're like yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, this has to be made. And it just went through all that kind of stuff. But, you know, deals still fell through and stuff. But this movie, the thing that really pushed it and gave a green light to it was the success of Star Wars. Because people weren't really 
they were sort of lukewarm about sci-fi at the time. You know, 2001 was there, but, you know, it just wasn't, you know, it's almost like when you compare, uh, I, I, never mind, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it. Okay. But I was going to well, say two get... movies. That one did something, but it didn't kickstart the thing, you know. But right. the Star Wars is why we're watching Alien. Well, I got a question. Um, I guess uh, what year, Jamie, you might know, what year was Blade Runner made? I'm, 82, I'm just... I want to say. Okay. So you think that fucking paved the way for that? Because that's fucking. In a, in oh, a... what? I'm, I actually am glad you brought that up too because I was I was going to myself when we were talking when he was talking about the aesthetics, and yep. you know Ridley Scott's vision and everything. I tie that back to what I said in the beginning about how you can have two different views of the future, right. you know, depending on which direction you want to go in. And on one end, he did the alien aesthetic, and then if you look at Blade Runner, it's completely different. Completely. Yep. And it has this amazing noir feel to it that um is just but futuristic at the same time and it's i love that world it is that it's another yep. amazing world so this oh, he's very he's not like one note you know he right he's very he's varied in where he can go and uh, i think that also is the hallmark of an excellent filmmaker but yeah i want to say blade runner was 82 Right, and, but I, I will say this too. Probably though, <laughs> I'd say the success of this movie definitely had something to do with them, you know, giving him free reign to do what he wanted for Blade Runner. Because I know Blade Runner is definitely an out there concept, but to totally to uh, trust a director to just fucking run with that shit, I mean, I think he proved himself. If if I'm looking at the time, if he made that what three years before, I would assume that had a little something to do with. It. Yeah. After you, after somebody puts this movie together, you're like, okay, you can do whatever you want, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, and you know, but like I said, we we have to credit a lot of people. Like even like Giger, the guy who who did all the art for the alien and the spaceships and everything for the alien. He also designed the eggs. He designed the face hugger, the chest burster. I mean, this guy, they. It's great that they went to one guy for all of it because it's very. It's very fluid. Everything goes together because it came from the same mind. All cohesive. It's very, yeah, right. That's actually the word I was looking for. Not fluid. Like cohesive. It works too. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a synonym. But uh, yeah, like that's the beauty of it. And the beauty of the other end of it, and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the guy's name who designed all the, uh, the humanoid or humanistic uh, spaceships and stuff. I only know the guy who did the alien stuff. But keeping him to do all that is great because now everything is very cohesive uh and and just so anybody if they want to know the uh the original name of of the alien the xenomorph was necronomicon number four and it was uh drawn in 1976 so just three years well actually two years before this was made because they were actually shooting it in 78 so uh that's the name of it you know, there were, there were like, it was trying for the cast to film this movie. Like, that girl who played Lambert, as annoying and gripey as she is in this movie, she was like that in real life. I mean, she complained about everything. <laughs> everything really? was a problem for her. She was fucking oh, miserable. Oh, God! <laughs> her reaction during this scene is, is, is hilarious to me. Victoria Cartwright, that's her name. Um, yep. <clears throat> who was also in... Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland, the oh, remake that was done. Yeah, that's that. right. Yep. Which another alien f- 
form. Um, another film I think you can probably credit it being made or at least getting some foothold to this film is The Thing. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Doubt. Even though that film was initially received poorly, I mean, it did shit at the box office. But there was, was a reason for it, wasn't it? Didn't something else come out that that week? That um, kind of distracted. That well, it also was panned by critics. I mean, critics slammed that movie. They and which is amazing now because it is on so many yeah. lists as the number one film horror film ever made. Uh, which is just it's so funny now because The Shining also received raspberries and <laughs> or Razzie awards and it's now also right there at the top. So it's amazing what time will do for you. But that part that I was talking about when they're exploring the ship, that to me is very reminiscent of the, or rather the scene in The Thing is reminiscent of that when they're at the Norwegian camp, just sort of walking around and taking in what went there. I think to, I always tie those two scenes together in my mind. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it, there was a lot of space stuff going on, which of course you can tie back to the success of Star Wars, like you said. It, it's funny because, like, even the approach to, to the whole thing, the whole space thing really plays into it. Like, even the way the characters are, like, like they, they get, like, a sense of their own isolation, and you could see that they're not actually, funny, it's going to come in, a cohesive team in the beginning. Like, they are all, they all have, like, very cold relationships to each other, and that is almost, like, indicative of, like, what you sort of become when you're in space long enough. Like, you, you, you get this, um, you get this feeling of isolation, and it, and it, it's kind of, it kind of makes you cold, and... <laughs> they were sleeping for Mad Long, too, though. <laughs> they were in that fucking hyperspace. How long were they sleeping in hyperspace? Dude, I've been I've been thinking about that. And I don't know. It had to have been a while. And it had to, like, shit like that, though. That's what I was talking about, like, building the world. Stuff like that, like, creeps me out. Like, dude, really? Like, you're going to go to sleep for, like, years? Like, bugs me out. So, well, like, if you stay young looking, I would do it, I guess. If I'm not going to do anything else. Right, but isn't that... <laughs> I, isn't that kind of like a creepy concept to think about in a movie? Like, oh, wow. Like, oh, yeah. can you imagine fucking life like that? And then, like you said, being in a spaceship, fucking... It, dude, Alien nailed the whole alone in space thing. Like, you feel so claustrophobic at times. Oh, like, yeah. There's no way you can go. You're stuck on this fucking ship with this alien. You're probably going to die. Which also became a common trope that people like to use and effectively in things like Leviathan, or Deep Star Six, where they went, or the Abyss, where they went, you know, the opposite of space and went down into the ocean, but they still use that same claustrophobia. The descent. And that, you know, we're, yeah, oh yeah, uh, where we're all tied together and we're mushed together in this little tiny space and we're getting on each other's nerves, and which would happen after a while, you know. Interestingly, Cameron, who went on to do Aliens, mm -hmm. also did Leviathan. I mean, not Leviathan. No, he didn't. He also did The Abyss, you know, so yes, he basically he took those concepts and worked them into The Abyss. He ran with it. One of the few films of his I really enjoy. <laughs> and now he's making Avatar 12. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the other thing. The, these people, the, like the, the actors, really got to sort of live out their character because they felt even more isolation because Ridley Scott was the kind of director. And you can't fault him for this. He put 
far more focus into the set design, the atmosphere of the movie, and all that kind of stuff, and the shots, than he did with the actors themselves. He almost didn't talk to them all that much. Like, they, so they got, they felt an even bigger sense of, like, the uh, whole uh, abandonment or isolation, because he really put no attention, and that actually played some bad parts, because a lot of things were like that, that chick, bitching about everything you know some things were kind of messed up like there was no oxygen going into those spacesuits they were wearing and they would get all fogged up and like there was so many problems and they had to actually redo them because he didn't he didn't put too much care into how actors felt or how this affects them or anything like that so some of her griping was actually pretty legitimate <laughs> but it, it's weird like he he didn't care about actors all that much I got a question, though, and and we've kind of talked about this before with, like, you know, how, like, certain Jasons won't talk to their, uh, you know, the, the camp counselors and all that kind of stuff. But, like, are you guys a fan of that kind of, um, no, I wouldn't call it method like acting. Method, method directing or something? Yeah, all that kind of I stuff. Am. Like, Tarantino does that shit. Like, uh, like, just fucking get right into it because in reality, like – if you do think about it, like, yeah, it's fun to make movies, but you really are trying to fucking create something real and, and bring something to screen here. So, yeah, you might have to go through some fucking shit, go through some hell, actually, but it's probably better off in the end for the movie. Well, think about it this way. We've got all of some of the best films that we have, particularly within the horror genre, but it just overall are made with those tactics. I mean, look at freaking with The Exorcist. He was a fucking tyrant and he... Mm. Uh, Hitchcock, way back to Hitchcock, he treated actors like cattle. Um, If you have Kubrick, who is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time as far as putting a film together, whether or not you enjoy his films, like, honestly, I think there are some amazing things about 2001. It is a gorgeous film. (laughs) It's very, it's extremely artistic. I love the way that man puts together a shot, but I can't watch that movie in one sitting. I can't do it. It bores the crap out of me. But, you know, then look at The Shining. I mean, we all know what Shelley Duvall went through making The Shining. So, in one, in in some respects, you can say, yeah, for the art uh, itself, this is necessary. And as an actor, if you go, if you want to go all in, you have to be willing to go through what the director puts you through. Now, there are a lot of people who don't agree with that, but I mean, you can say in the end, the what matters is the right. final piece, is the art exactly. piece. And I think some of the best directors we've had are the ones who have that vision. You know, I mean, you don't have to be an asshole, but right. um, but just look at it when they are. Look at the end result that you get. It's kind of worth it. Yeah, look at me. I'm doing it now. I'm method podcasting. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> exactly. Dude. I literally, <laughs> like, Alien is my life right now. Like, in preparation for this, I watched all four Aliens in almost one sitting. Uh, I've watched this movie four times. I watched it, like, uh, as soon as I woke up this morning, I watched it again. And, and right before the show, like, I literally turned it off and came here. Well, and not only that, dude, you fucking, we took you from the dungeon from Jersey, took you to Cape Canaveral, shot you into space. I mean, Right, and shit. I was sleeping in hyperspace just to sleep the way those guys did. And now we're on LV426. Uh, so, I mean, we're method podcasting. So, yeah, I, I will say I agree. Exactly. 
Now, uh, let's not forget that uh, Jerry Goldsmith did the score for Alien, and there were issues there too, because there was this big battle, because um, they buy these things called temporary, um, temporary like tracks or whatever, and they pop, pop them into scenes for the time being, for whatever reason, and then Jerry Goldsmith uh, basically watches the scenes and then writes music to it, and they didn't really like a lot of the stuff that he wrote for this movie. Uh, they just felt that it, he, he sort of didn't understand some things. Some of the music was too intrusive to the scenes. So they actually preferred a few of those temporary things he did. Ooh. And he hated them. Like, he felt, oh, I wrote this amazing thing for when the people wake up from the incubators or when they're in their hypersleep, and they use this from... Um, a a, something called Freud. I don't know if it was a movie or something, but he he made this music for Freud, and they bought a lot of the Freud tracks and put them in different spots of this movie, and he did not want it. So, well, they have artistic vision, just like directors do. Um, composers are often unsung heroes because, honestly, without a good score, that can sink a film. Yep. You know, and we talk about that a lot on this show alone. Um, and um, the Jerry Goldsmith is, I mean, to be honest, if I had the luxury of hiring Goldsmith to do a score for my film, I would just be like, do whatever you want, dude, because right. he is fucking Take master. my soul. <laughs> Who, incidentally, I brought, um, he also did the score for Leviathan. So oh, wow. when they when they made Leviathan, they, they took the same, because like, I was talking about the claustrophobia aspects, just basically plucking it out of the out of the sky and putting it in the ocean um they also used jerry goldsmith to score it so it kind of gives it even more of that same tone i think honestly leviathan is like a really good hybrid of alien in the thing if you watch that film with those two films in mind you can um it's it's really fun to do but um anyway yeah he is a, his score for this film i think is is one of the reasons that it it comes across as, for lack of a better term, cla I mean, does it make sense if I say this film is classy? Does that? <laughs> it it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Roger Corman. It's A list, and that's why. And uh, Jerry Goldsmith is a major reason. You know, like that's top rated shit. It's not like uh, I don't want to put anybody down, but yeah, it's yeah, it's whatever. But this movie, not only does the music make or break a movie, but the editing does. And when this movie, the first cut was three hours and 12 minutes. <laughs> Ridley Scott, he's off the chain, dude. He's a freaking eight hour movie. <laughs> yeah. And the guy Runch uh, shuts it. He's, he, he said, look, I don't want this movie to be pretentious, dude. You got to shorten it, man. And then supposedly Ridley Scott always knew it would be cut down, but he just needed that. He needed the big... Uh, Almost like a big piece of clay to work with, I guess, you know, so he he wanted to shoot all this stuff and, and man, when he was shooting it, he constantly was trying to build more sets, more sets, more like even the, the scene where Dallas gets captured, Ridley Scott wasn't crazy about that. He had to improvise. He didn't like that whole uh, the area they were in. Well, I guess it was the third corridor thing. Like he didn't like the way it looked and stuff, but with time and money, they wouldn't let him build another set. And they actually... The, the the executive uh, people, you know, who were doing uh, the studio, whoever owned it, Fox, I guess, they were walking around st stopping production on new sets that he wanted built. And he, <laughs> that 
<laughs> like, dude, just stop. Yeah, dude, stop. Do not build another set. I need the shot. Yeah, he, yeah, right. Like, literally, that whole, that, that, they did not want him to build the entire, ins or the space jockey is the inside of the alien spaceship. They said, we're not doing it. Just have some black walls behind, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, they just wanted some generic nothing. Um, because they said, dude, you're shooting one scene here. It doesn't need to, we don't need to put... Uh, $200,000 into, into the set of one scene. And he said, no, you do. If you don't, <laughs> yeah. this is not going to be the same movie. If you know, And he's right. Look, do, did you not marvel at the inside of that alien craft? I can see it from both ends, though. I mean, as a studio, you know, like, that's your money. So it's like you're dealing with a whole different aspect. But on the director's side, dude, that's, that's the best. It's, yeah, no, we're still building sets. Like, that's great, dude. You got to love that, man. That's why fucking he's one of the best directors out there, dude. That's why Ridley Scott is the man. It's because directors like that give a shit, dude. You know, like people like George Miller coming back from Mad Max. Like they oh, give a shit about God. these properties, dude. Everything, right. you know? Fury Road, holy crap, that Ugh. movie is, oh God. Um, yeah, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. And like I just mentioned earlier how much I love that scene, you know, and how much it, it um, the aesthetics of that scene add to the entire experience. I mean, I, I can't even imagine if he had agreed to go with what the studio wanted, <laughs> right, right, that scene would be meaningless. It wouldn't, yeah. or you know, it probably wouldn't be meaningless, but it wouldn't have the same impact. Right? No, mm -hmm. it would not. You know, it. It's just, uh, it's pretty amazing. They even had the space jockey from that scene in front of the Chinese theater when this, when they premiered this movie. Like that thing was there, and there were people trying to uh, set it on fire and destroy it because they thought it was the <laughs> devil's work. <laughs> it was the work of the devil. Nice. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, they were crazy. The, the the whole theater thing. There's a lot of stories about that. Like people were getting up and walking out of the theater, and suppose you wouldn't even believe this. This is the craziest thing you're ever gonna hear. There was a guy, a manager of a movie theater, and uh, I think Dan O'Bannon, he went to go see it uh, somewhere, and he went there, and um, I don't know how, or somebody went, and like the, the manager recognized him or something, and they he said, oh, your movie, you know, caused a lot of problems in my bathroom, uh, a lot of messes and things like that, it just destroying his bathroom, and he goes, he goes, but I fixed it though, and he was like, well, what do you mean, how'd you fix it, and he goes, well, we cut the scene out of the movie, the chestburster scene. So people literally were getting up to throw oh, wow. up in the bathroom so much that they were missing the toilet all the time, it was going on the <laughs> fucking floor on the seats, everything. That often, that often, because of the chestburster scene. So the movie theater actually cut that scene from the showing so that this would not take place in their bathrooms anymore. Can you imagine that? No. Can you imagine how pissed I would be? Oh my god! <laughs> you just fucking ruined my movie, you dick. Yeah, right. That Give was that buckets. was the scene. <laughs> yeah, right. Put buckets in the aisles. <laughs> like the response in the theater was so amazing that Dan O'Bannon broke into tears when he saw like the the response of the audience in the Chinese theater because he had this horrible experience with uh, that this other movie he made called uh, Dark Star. It was like uh, the thing he did before he sort of became famous. And what happened with that movie was it 
it was either going to be the greatest student film or the worst like official released movie and it ended up they ended up pushing it to that so it ended up being like the worst officially released movie and not the best student film ever made so and it was a it was a space type thing because like i said he's into alien obviously and he's into total recall and things like that so he's big on that Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so uh, let's talk about real quick the guy because this will come into this the guy who played the alien uh, in the suit when I was going through my thing in preparation because I wanted a full understanding of this franchise before uh, I did this review I watched all of them and one thing I could tell you. I don't recall part two too much, but I could tell you, uh, oh, the guy's name who played the alien, the guy in the suit, his name is, it's like an African guy, so it's like Bolaji. His name's... Yeah. Uh, Bolaji Badejo, and he died recently, or I don't know about recently, but I know he died. One thing I noticed is that they, oh god, guys, they go CGI, and you know what 1997 CGI looks like? <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> or ninety-two. Like, what was uh, part three? Ninety-two, and then four was ninety-seven. So yeah, man. You ever see the movie of Vanessa Williams and Arnold Schwarzenegger when they have like alligators going after them? What's that yeah. movie called? What's it called? It's a, a eraser. <laughs> yeah, they should have erased the CGI. I love that movie though, but those CGI alligators are terrible. But I still <laughs> love that movie. Yeah, it's. I can't help it. It is a good movie. I do like, especially the end with the train. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the cast in this movie. Uh, Tom Skerritt was Dallas. So this is Sigourney Weaver's first movie ever, and now is it really? Yeah, now she's worth forty million dollars, man. But this was her first movie, and believe it or not, the cast felt that uh, she was such a like she wasn't a strong actress at all, and they thought that that would actually uh, hurt the entire movie. And they could all tell they were doing something big when they were making this movie because of, you know, it's kind of clear that this is not just shooting a movie in a room or a hallway or outside in the woods. This is like a major deal, you know? So they knew that they were making a, a sort of classic with this movie, especially once they saw the chest bursting scene and things like that. And they felt that she would sort of ruin the movie and bring it down. So. There was a little bit of a tension on set, so that actually played into it, because all this movie is is, like, tension between, like, six people. You know what I mean? hmm Well, I got a question. Do you guys think that that role was written? Because that Ripley character is, is notably, what, probably, uh, if not, it's got to be one of the first strong female characters, right? Especially, like, in, in any genre, right? Like, she was the pretty much original badass, right? I mean, and, I, and I'm and i pretty sure that she's she's noted, you know, for that. But I wonder if it was written as such a strong character that they didn't think she would match up to that, or maybe that just drove her and, and made the character what it was. You know what I mean? Well, do you guys think she was a weak actress in this movie? No. Not at all. No, I don't. I'm not going to say I saw anything that was stand out good or bad. Like, I thought she played the role well. And and those scenes at the end, man, I mean, you, you, you're right there with her. Oh, that is yeah. the direction as well. But it, you have to be a strong actor, actress to carry that shit. And, uh, yeah, I was right there with her. And Sigourney Weaver has proven herself as a good actress over the years as well. 
I, uh, I think that by the way that she comes forward, particularly after we lose Dallas, she comes forward with this sense of authority. And uh, I think at that moment, it's kind of clear that she, we're going to be with her for the long haul because she's the one who has everyone's best interest at heart. She's trying to do the best thing. And to me, that's also the moment when we find that, out exactly how good an actress she is. I think those moments where she's yelling at them, she's like, well, everybody just shut up for a minute. You know, she is, I mean, she is taking control. She's taking command of that scene and of everyone in it. It astounds me now that you say this was her first film. I didn't know know that. And I I don't think that you would ever know that based on the fact that she just took it. I mean, she commanded particularly that scene and scenes where she was in the role of authority. I, she nailed it. Yeah. Well, remember she was talking to the, the Android and she was even like, well, why did you do that instead? You know, I'm the ranking officer. She didn't say ranking officer, but she said something like that. You know what I mean? Basically like asserting herself and, and yeah, like, but going back to what you said though, Alex, I did know where it was going, but I totally picked up on all that stuff. Like, okay. Yeah. It was like you said, Jamie, in that scene, Clearly, she was the leader, and from that point on, she was, you know, it, the, you know, the final girl, whatever you want to call it. I mean, but it, it, it evolved so much more than that, though, uh, especially in the sequels and stuff like that. Like, she became a badass about halfway through this movie, but up until that point, no. Like, you, who, who could guess? She's just another character, and then slowly they build that character, and by the end, it's like you're right there, fucking with her, right there. Yeah, she pulls you in. What I think is interesting. Is oh yeah, but what I think is interesting is how she's the one who wants to follow protocol in the beginning. You know, she's the one like no, you can't bring them back. No, they have to Mm -hmm. go in quarantine. No, you can't. You know, and they're like eh, eh. You know, um. And then by the end, she's like, let's blow this motherfucker. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they basically override her decisions when she is making the right call the whole time. You know, and and she from that moment, I think, all right. Traditionally, females are considered to be the ones who have uh, the emotional parts. Like, we are led by our emotions. We are the ones who are the caregivers, the nurturers, you know, the mothers, if you will, uh, not being tied to the computer. No the, uh, <laughs> um, we are the ones who are going to typically fall victim to... Uh, being lenient when it comes to rules based on our emotions. You know what I mean? Like it would typically be a woman who would say, uh, he's hurt, we have to let them in. Or he's, you know. Um, In this instance, Ripley, being an authoritative figure, steps up and takes what is traditionally a man's point of view as far as these scenarios are concerned in that, no, we have to follow the rules. No, we have to do it this way. Protocol is protocol for a reason. These rules are in place for a reason. And she's not leading with her heart. She's leading with her head. And she ends up being right, you know. But um, I think that is eminently fascinating is that they completely take the traditional roles, the traditional gender roles, and kind of flip them where she is concerned in this film. Yeah, like she's taking off her clothes there and she's got a a no-sir t-shirt on. (laughs) 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 Even 
even when she is if you if you look at her approach she plays a very even keel like when you're in, in that position you can't be a person who's very reactionary emotionally she actually plays it to the to a T even when she tells the guy to shut up if you notice she still maintains a professionalism and an even temper in a way like she doesn't get overly emotional and things like that you know what I mean Although she does go for the cat at the end, she goes for old Jonesy, yeah. which I agree with. I do well, agree with. That's a I what the fuck moment, for that. I can't, I can't unfold her for that either. No, wait, damn it. It is not. That is exactly what any rational person would do in that situation. Right. And even though it's funny that you say that, because in Aliens, when she goes after Newt, I'm sitting here going, leave her, leave, leave her. her. Yeah, leave you her. are so screwed up. <laughs> And I'm dead serious. I was watching that movie the other night, dead serious, saying, fuck that kid. You've got, like, you can't put everyone's life on the line because you've got, like, ten minutes. You know, you're not going to make it. Quit it. And when it comes to Jonesy, I'm like, you better get that fucking cat. <laughs> I, I knew that Jones was t uh, Jamie's favorite uh, cast member. I was going to actually name Jones. Is he, the, is he the same Nine Lives cat? No. Press no. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. They clone him. I'll, I'll say this about the cat. Now, the cat plays a, a major role for people who like to try to figure things out before they happen. You know how some people watch a movie and they take the ride. Other people um, sort of know what's going to happen before it does or where this is going. They think these things through. So one of the reasons the cat works for those types of people is because the cat is sort of a red herring in a way. Because the way the cat acts, where the cat was, where the alien was, things like that, you you almost don't know if the cat was impregnated with an alien. And I think that's what you're sort of supposed to wonder, especially when she brings the cat onto the the, the ship with her. Like, you don't know if, like, this, like, you think it's over and all of a sudden the cat's going to explode into a fucking alien or, you know, like that that's one. <laughs> ah. Yeah. You know, like that is one part the cat plays. Cause, uh, like, like the scene where like when she goes to get the cat, like you said, there's really no reason. The only reason that they sent the other guy to get the cat before was because, um, it was messing up their radar and they couldn't tell if, if the alien was walking around or the cat was walking around. So that's why, uh, other than that, what really, Besides Jamie, her the reason she'd go. Besides that, like why would this person go in in the midst of uh, the last thing on your mind is a cat? Like you're trying to survive. Almost everybody's dead. <laughs> like I don't even understand. It is a very bizarre scene. Uh, yeah, but I I do like. I mean, see that's the whole thing with uh, taking taking this whole you know trip out of space and stuff like that. I like the cat man. The cat brings it home. You know, you see the cat's re like you said uh, when the alien shows up, yeah. you see the cat's reaction to it. It's it's cool, man. It's a, and that that close is a nice up. angle. That I is such things. an amazing shot. The, you know, the close up when it, you when what's going on in the background and you're focusing on the cat's reaction. Awesome. Mm -hmm. It's such a simple thing. Right. And I don't think any other director in the world would have done that. No. Or you, or you would have, though. 
I think Jamie, the the movie. Well, the, yeah, I'd be. My whole movie <laughs> would be just a cat walking through. You'd hear screams off in the distance, but we'd be following the cat through through the. Nostromo. What do you mean? I had seventeen no. kills in my movie. Yeah, <laughs> watching him play with sticks and shit. He'd be and, and yarn balls. <laughs> like, uh, and I think one of the one of the uh, implications that the cat was impregnated and will. Uh, play a big part in the end is when the alien puts his face right up to it and then obviously the, the cat lives like the only other time and the alien did something like that was and this is funny because if you watch him backwards it would actually give you more implications that the cat has something going on evil because when the alien you know the, the insanely famous scene when her head's against the wall and this alien's right up to her face yep Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he doesn't kill her, and there's a reason. Right. Looking back to this, it could have been the same reason he didn't kill the cat. Okay, I'll just say it that way. True. Okay? Yeah. So that's a, yeah, I Dude, I honestly never thought about that, about the cat, but you're right. You're right on. Because those are the only two people the alien went right up to and didn't kill. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty weird that way. It's respect. Yeah, damn it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're a cat. I can't fuck with you. That's what... That's what I take away from it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's like, oh, damn. Man. I love that fucking cat. Um. <laughs> what do you guys think of the alien's uh, kill method? You know, every every killer has their thing, a chainsaw, this, that, the other butcher knife. This alien has this uh, tongue death punch or whatever. <laughs> like, it's a tongue or something with a mouth at the end. Like, I don't even, I'm not really even sure. Like a mouth within a mouth? Yeah, let's talk about the alien for a little bit. Um... How do you guys feel? Like I said, it's a very big deal how this alien got on board. However, do you think they sort of sacrificed a lack of logic for an amazing introduction to the alien? Um, so the alien... Okay, there's so many things to say. There's these eggs, and I think we're to believe, you know, if you see part two, that the, the queen basically drops these eggs everywhere and then the eggs open and a face hugger comes out and jumps onto the face of a host I guess they just come out walk around and find a host eventually jump on their face impregnate their chest with an alien and then die that's the only function seemingly for a face hugger they and how odd is that what kind of way is that to produce I mean I guess that's like a fertilization in a way, because normally you'd have an egg, then you'd have a sperm hit it, and that would create uh, an embryo, or an Ethan embryo, as, as we know. So, um, now, here, you have an egg, but it already gives birth to something that grabs to a host? Like, it has to find... Do you think the cat would have made a good host? It'd make a little tiny alien. <laughs> would it make a better host than me? There's also that theory, though, that they can't, right? It'd be a better host of a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, nothing. But that might be a theory, though, is they don't fuck with cats because they can't. They, they they just, that they, they can't be a host in them, so they're just like, all right, well, we move on. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have what they need or what they're yeah. looking for. Well, you gotta remember, yeah, you guys are referring to the xenomorph not fucking with the cat. We gotta... We, we never we don't know if a uh, face hugger would fuck with a cat, you know. That's true. Too. Maybe maybe they're just um, you know they're not dog people. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. So now so now that would you guys agree that's sort of a strange 
reproduction way, right? I mean, it is. It's it's a it's a convoluted form of reproduction, but there are also many examples of similar things in the actual animal kingdom that we know. Things that all they do is their sole purpose is reproduction, and then they die. And um, though there, and um, there are examples of things that take a lot of steps. But it, it is it does seem like at any moment that reproductive cycle could be interrupted. Um, it's like you said, if they come crawling out and they have to find a host, then if there are no hosts, then that reproductive cycle is stopped dead in its tracks. Right. Right. And, right. and then what? You know, um, I mean, the if the queen is just depositing thousands of eggs and there's nowhere for them to go. Um, kind of like on LV426 when she's laying all that huge nest and there are no more settlers, then what? You know, what's the point? Why are you still going, you know? Yeah, and how about that too? This guy, much like Peg Bundy, grew into his chair he was sitting in, (laughs) the the space jockey. um, (laughs) Yet, so that's telling you he's fossilized on that chair, for Christ's sake. And Mm -hmm. yet there's eggs that are still there and alive. Uh, And and, like, what do those things just sit there for eternity until until it senses a life form around it or whatever? Then it leaps out at them and does their thing like I mean, it hibernates. I get. Yeah. But for uh, Jamie fossilizing, the guy grew into his chair. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's a very, it it seems like a, a really non-productive reproduction. (laughs) And like, where's, where's the uh, queen? Like, where's the queen alien that left all those eggs? Like, it's just, it begs so many questions. Like I said, that's why I'm glad they went and did like a Rogue One deal, you know, like I'd like to. No, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I'm sure all these questions will be answered in the next one. Right. Because it leads right into Alien, you know, but I, I don't know, but I would assume that they would explain everything because you're right. That is, that's not the most effective way to reproduce, but at the same time, I'm sure there's an explanation for it somewhere, somewhere. Maybe. Now, you don't have to have a womb. You don't even have to be a female to do this like it could just do this in a man all you have to do is have a chest and that just seems strange i mean i don't know i don't know how things work with when you just need a host i just don't understand well look at any parasite that we have and there are some really fascinating parasites out there but that just do some really weird creepy shit but they all but they require specific environments and specific uh, thing like very specific settings in order to continue their cycle and it kind of makes you wonder like how did these things get as far as they did but i think it's numbers you know like so if you look at it's like well this doesn't seem if humans for instance had to reproduce this way we'd be fucked like we oh yeah we wouldn't make it. it would just we wouldn't make it we wouldn't be the top of the food chain we wouldn't go anywhere but because of their sheer numbers it's kind of like insects in that respect, I guess, where it's like you have so many that some of them are going to survive. And um, it just kind of makes you wonder why. And I guess that's why they just get kind of. I don't know. I mean, there's so many questions about this at the same time, like I'm dying to know. But at the same 
You know, because when I'm watching Alien, I'm not, I've never once in my life been watching that film going, yeah, but all those eggs just sitting there, it makes no sense. You know, like, I don't care. You know, it just I know, I don't bother. care either, and I'm not going to care when I watch it again, but... Oh, of course, yeah. But, it, you know, if you start to actually pull it apart and think about it, then it's like, ah, jeez, you know? Yeah, it is kind of tough. But, but here's the thing. We are pulling it apart because we have to. That's our job here. But let's face it. We still haven't come up with a definitive, like, we can't shoot it down yet. We don't really know, you know? It's like, it's it's so cool. It adds to it, right. though. It adds mystery of the whole thing. It kind of makes it scarier. Well, that's the whole in the future sci-fi thing, too. You can take leaps with that where it's like, eh, okay, give them, give them certain liberties, you know? As long as it's based in some sort of reality, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And they're not humans. They don't. Those rules don't apply to them, Who, you know? And we're not even, like, discrediting this whole thing because, if you remember, the whole reason they wanted this organism and to take it and research and everything is because it's... The guy said, Ash, when he was, you know, sort of headless, he said it was structurally perfect. You know, like, uh, if it's structurally perfect, then maybe it doesn't apply. The same rules don't apply. Like, those eggs, are, if they're structurally perfect, that means they could last for, you know, right. God knows how, maybe a thousand years. You know what I mean? So that that's why thinking of these things and wondering these things is not really kind of ripping the movie apart or making it any less of a movie. Mm-hmm. It adds to it, you know? I always wonder how did they know so much about the aliens? Like when they wanted to take and when that when Mother detected the life form and stuff, how how did how did it know that it was unclouded by consciousness and remorse and morality and it would just be like an ultimate weapon machine? Like how would it know that? Because it was just a crashed spaceship, you know. They don't really know anything about it yet. Because obviously they don't because they didn't research it before. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to do it again. <laughs> right. Well, and then, yeah, I think they were just going off of what they saw and what they saw. They knew it was definitely, I mean, what they didn't know, I'm sure they were like, well, let's definitely fucking get it so we can look into this. Because they, they knew they had something there, you know? Right. Yeah, because all they knew were eggs and, and the space jockey. Like, they really had no other... They didn't know a lot going in. Let's face it. Knowing what we know about the fucking xenomorphs, would you go after it initially with a net? (laughs) (laughs) They fell up to it with a net, dude. Like, what are you going to do with that, bro? All right. Well, here. This is what I was saying earlier about were they compromising any logic for an amazing entry of the alien? Like, how are we going to get them on the spaceship? Awesome. Chestburster. Amazing. Okay, but wait. I'm sure everybody has wondered this. I'm not poking holes through this, and they it's blatant in your face, so maybe there is an explanation I just don't know about. I mean, how much time goes by between the chest burst scene and when the first kill takes place, when the guy was looking for the cat and the cat sees the kill? Because that alien went from, like, not even a foot tall to this gigantic monster within a day? It is a very short period of time, and that's yeah, the... not even a day. <laughs> That's another th- reason that this that this species is so strong is because it there is very little time of of a growth period, you know. Like animals in the wild, you know, a deer pops out of the womb and almost immediately can get up and run around. You know, it's a survival thing. Whereas humans, we are very weak in that respect. You know, we require constant care. For it's weak. The first couple of years of our lives. Yeah, but I mean, with that kind of growth speed, one would imagine that the thing would be dead in a day or two. You know, maybe that's why there are so many eggs. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's sacrificing anything to get the alien on the ship, but let's just talk about that now. The chest buster scene. That is like one of the most famous, iconic moments in any, really, in film history. And it's funny because Ridley Scott wanted such a true reaction out of people when that happened. He didn't even tell them that that first blood spurt was even going to happen. So you saw the reactions when that happened? Like, how genuine was that? That was just amazing, right? Oh, dude, I love that whole fucking scene, dude. See, the the way I I love about Alien 2, man, is, like you said, there are different types of aliens, but they do different shit, dude. And what an introduction, dude. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to start off small, but, like, that's the most effective, I think. Well, then again, the the xenomorph in in its badassery is its own thing but i love the contrast of having the big fucking larger than life bigger than a human fucking size alien and then you get the small ones that that cause almost more damage and and if you're like a you know like a a germaphobe or you don't like fucking things crawling on you like that's that's a lot worse you know it's like the space herpy and ice pirates (laughs) exactly yeah, that so like I said that chest buster scene happens 55 minutes into the movie wow I didn't realize it was that far in oh, that's awesome oh. dude it's a two hour long movie and they don't even get to the alien until fucking halfway through and you don't even mind everything is still so amazing like even even the the face hugger when they cut him and the blood drips and it, it's like acid like it's always funny because I always wonder like what is going on in that thing's body that it could hold that blood mm-hmm yeah (laughs) you know it's like so that's a good that's a good point because it is organic so how is its own blood not eating through its own organic material (laughs) i don't know unless it has glass veins that's what i was thinking like it's glass inside i guess that's all part of it being structurally perfect you know and and they they said it's a defense mechanism and i you know it's it's just crazy and speaking of things being inside, like we talked about the, the the robot guy, Ash, having, you know, like when he started sweating, the last, you know, not since Jenna Jameson did I ever see somebody sweat jizz before, and I knew how it got inside of her, but no, nothing. <laughs> Jamie's like, alrighty then. No, I'm just, I was actually picturing that in my head. I was yeah. <laughs> they had to pump her stomach, because it was full. Nah, never mind. That was Rod Stewart. <laughs> Why would he sweat anyway? Like what? I guess like the the components overheated and then <laughs> then the blood just leaks out of her. I don't even know what he's sweating exactly, but I'll tell you why because they needed a way for her to realize that <laughs> there was something not right about it. But it didn't her. matter though because even if he didn't sweat that way, it's, it's sort of more for us because even if he didn't, he still went and closed the door and then attacked her and stuff. Like, I don't think that sweat had any bearing on anything in that scene. I mean, the the, the more thing about it was knocking his block off, which was amazing. Even the way it just falls back, the way it just comes out of nowhere. I'll knock his block off. Like, that whole thing was great. Did you Now, did you guys dig how they did the android thing in this movie? Because I, I really did like it. And that scene definitely drove it home. But it, it's weird, man. Seeing Prometheus, dude, I like Fastbender better. I like it. Like, I think they do the android story a lot better. In, uh... Oh, I didn't see Prometheus. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, they have an android in there? I actually don't remember it. I've only seen it the one time when it was in the theater. 
Um, yeah. I just always wondered if you, if you were going to make a synthetic human, would you make him sort of short and squat and old? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you make it Michael Fassbender? Right. Uh, <laughs> yep. The reason he let this guy in the spaceship with the face huggers because all he cared about was getting that thing in there. And that's that was his top priority. That's the whole point of it all. You know, it's it's the company who's screwing everybody over. Everybody's expendable. Um, and that's what it's all about. I, I want to add on to that, though, real quick. And that's another thing where it ties in with the world building, setting up the rules of space and all this kind of stuff. Dude, I love how these people were just like everyday workers yet they were fucking thrown into a situation where they were doing their thing in space like okay that's that's its own thing and they're they're trying to at least follow protocol um they're talking about money about shares you know what they're what they're bringing home and how some people get more yeah they brought it real to life right yeah dude i i that part felt so real to me that it was like these are these are not like action heroes you know i mean that that's for the second one that's that's when fucking bill paxton comes in but until then like these are just everyday workers and they're thrown into these situations hence fucking going after the alien with a net like good luck bro but it's like i just love that whole setup of it's like yeah we set up these rules but like you know they, they aren't necessarily like you know they, they're basically thrust into these roles basically and and i love how it's done over the course of like you said it takes two hours but like and it's a very slow film at times but i i gotta tell you man like when you get to the end like i want to see more you know it's never not interesting and it's like everything it's just it's peppered with nothing but greatness in a way you know like it's weird it's slow but it's 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 tasty because <laughs> that's i'm just using the pepper analogy but it's like you know what i mean it's good the whole way it's like really weird and i don't know it's not so i i don't know i find the, everything eventful in some weird way even though i'm not going to argue that it's a slow burn i i guess but <clears throat> in some way i do like even even with this i guess it, you could think of the the robot thing as a climax um when he gives the guy a purple nurple and and he's like that was so funny like that's what he does to him to uh stop him from doing that but i was thinking like do you guys know did i miss something why is sigourney weaver's nose bleeding uh during that scene like because he didn't hit her yet that was when he was sweating her nose was bleeding do you know why did i miss something there i honestly don't even remember to be honest with you okay well, it comes into play in um, part four, and they they use that and make it amazing. Like, <clears throat> there's a lot of callbacks. So, <laughs> but getting to the technology because we're talking about the robot and stuff. Uh, how funny was like the Atari uh, graphics <laughs> on the the computers and stuff? Like when they're trying to leave that the planet that we are on right now, like in the movie that. Remember how it was like the drawings of mountains and everything? Or no, when they were landing on it? Dude, but see, that's the thing. Like, that's the kind of shit that I love. And I love when they bring back, like, when they did that in, um, in the the uh, new Star Wars movie. When they when they using the fucking guns on the Millennium Falcon and it's those fucking old school graphics they still yeah, use. They have, yeah, they have to. They have to. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. Isn't that weird with Star Wars? Like, all the outfits and everything and the technology, they, they have to keep it for the lineage of of the original movies that's so funny because it's like 
I love, dude, what a brilliant, well, only an idiot would say, no, we have to update it. We'll just say that, that these people have different stuff than the other ones did. It just wouldn't make sense. Exactly. Dude, I, I, I love when they do stuff like that, though. That's why I was like, like early, uh, late 70s, early 80s version of the future. That's like right. the best, dude. It's I like, love it. Like you said, it's like playing fucking, uh. Atari. Atari. Plus, right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's it's right on, dude. I, I wish every movie was like that, to be honest. <laughs> Did you notice the um the the weird cut when the Ash's head is off, and it's like the fake head, and it just for it's almost like the same exact angle and everything, but then it's the live head. Yeah. Now, am I right in saying that's weird? At least. Um. No, it is, but at the same time, it's. It's so, I think, well done that you kind of give it a pass. Right. You know? Um, because I do love when she's, like, trying to get the head to stand up and it's, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it keeps flopping over and she's, like, I, I love the sound design during that scene. And it might seem like an odd thing. Oh, his voice? Yeah. For my for my ears to pick out. But, yeah, his that garbly voice of mm-hmm. his paired with the sound of the, of the latex flopping around or, you know, like, hitting... Like when she's positioning the head, you know, I think just every bit of sound in that whole scene is just is is perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of sticks in my head. You know how I'm and we've talked about this a lot before. I pick up on stupid little things and uh, stupid little things stick in my memory. And that's one of the things that have. So, yeah, it is noticeable. I know what you're talking about. But yeah. at the same time, I just think that whole scene is so cool that I don't care. Yeah, and then he has that shit-eating grin on his face right before. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this guy looks like he just got out of a bukkake party. It's just like his whole fucking head. (laughs) Like, it's like the funniest scene ever, dude. And he's just basically telling him, oh, yeah, well, you know, these things are, like I said earlier, you know, they're perfect. They have no emotions, no remorse. They're just machines, and that's what we want, and blah, blah. Anybody else? Anybody else finish? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody? Imagine if he just kept his mouth open. <laughs> <to the next laughs> <guy. laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know, then like I said, they're gonna wrap it up. She starts looking for the cat. Yeah, um, and I'll add to that whole um, uh, female heroin aspect. That isn't completely a hundred percent prevalent until the sequel. This was building towards it, and this is a perfect setup for the sequel, which is why I love Aliens just as much as I love Alien. But And she is very strong in this movie, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, number two, she's the action fucking hero. I mean, she's like Sarah Connor, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, actually, no, before we even kind of go to this, you know, speaking of Ash real quick, how about the scene when she's she's talking to the, the mother to ask, you know, now that she has uh, more authority... And then all of a sudden, like, she goes in, closes the door, punches it in, and and she finds out that they're there just for that and everybody else is expendable. And this fucking guy sitting right next to her. How did that happen? You don't hear the door open? You don't hear, like, what do you do? Like, oil up his hinges so he he doesn't squeak on the way in? (laughs) Like, like how how is he sitting next to her? And, And believe me, I'm not picking it apart. Ridley Scott did that on purpose. That was supposed to be a jump scare. But it's like, how? How did he get in? That's freaky. And even she jumped. Like, it's weird. Her reaction, she sort of jumps in a weird way, but it sort of is is to manhandle him, to yell at him for what's going on. But I, in, initially, you think she's scared that he's there? I don't know. It's weird. That's a good question, though. Yeah, I never thought about that. But yeah, how did he get in there? He's just sitting there. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. Um, and then 
that whole thing with Dallas, his capture scene, you know, I know we talked about the technical aspect of how Ridley Scott sort of wanted that to go down a different way, but how intense was that, that all they're looking at is blips on screens. She's like, he's, he's getting closer, you know, he go, go, go to another thing. He's getting close. You know, like how wild is that, man? Like you're in that little confined space and all you know is that someone's screaming on the other end that a blip is getting closer to you. And you, you don't even know what it is. They don't know what the fuck this thing looks like at full growth. Right. Yeah, they went after it with a net, dude. No, and that's, that adds to that whole claustrophobic feel. And I think why Alien is considered one of the fucking best horror films ever. It's shit like that, dude. It's everything, yeah, but that's such a perfect example uh, of, of setting something up like that. And and like you said, not knowing, seeing it on a blip as a scre- on the screen, dude, and just uh, hey, hearing those screams, dude, oh, I mean, to me, it doesn't get any better than that. And like Jamie said, too, with the Texas Chainsaw, too, it's like, you know, much, much like that movie, it's what you don't see. It's what you imagine with your, with your mind. And, and and those are the best types of movies, man. And, and you know, less is more. And especially when you get a great directed movie like this, less is definitely more in that aspect. I love oh, it. Oh, God. And Jamie, I know you're not into the, um, you told me not to watch the director's cut. Now, there are two scenes, though, I, I that are worth it. Because the one where the, the girl who bitches all the time, she's, she, like, attacks Ripley when uh, they come back, when that she didn't want to let the guy into the spaceship, she smacks the shit out of her and stuff. And then the other scene is, you know, we talk about Dallas getting captured. Now, supposedly, you know, most people think that there's much more emotional weight and creepiness to Dallas's uh, sort of death in the director's cut. Do you agree with that, at least? Yeah, no, actually, the director's cut of this one is the one that I haven't seen. I've seen various scenes from it. But like where Ripley finds the bodies all cocooned and things yeah. like that. Um, it's the Aliens director's cut that I recommend you stay away from. Oh. Um, but this one, I've never watched everything put together. I've only seen the scenes, right. you know, um, outside the film. Okay. Is it like the Blade Runner's director's cut? Is it but, 14 hours long? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How much longer is it when you watch the whole thing? Dude. Ugh, man, I wish I knew. I don't know. I think it's like 45 minutes or something extra. I don't don't know. But I typically is when Ridley Scott, if it's anything like the Blade Runner's director's (laughs) cut, then I won't like it as much because I actually prefer the theatrical version of Blade Runner to the director's cut of Blade Runner. I prefer the theatrical cut of Aliens to the director's cut. Now, that's Cameron. It's not Ridley Scott, but... Well, um, our friends that kill the cast, uh, Jerry and all those guys on my Marrow Children show, uh, he said... Him and Kenneth both said that they will never watch the theatrical cut of Alien again. Because, um, I don't know, like, once... Like, I guess there's no reason to, and all the stuff that they added, they really love. So, they prefer the director's cut of this movie. um, Because they did this whole big show, Alien vs. Thing, which was amazing. The way they broke those, and they compared, you know, sort of like we did with House of Wax. Like... The way they put those two together, it really is awesome. Like, all these uh, tie-ins. Like you said, the one inspired the other. So, you got to check out that show. But, um, yeah, so a lot of people do like uh, the that cut, the, the, uh, the director cut, which I will watch next. So now, you know, everything goes to hell. People die. And now it's just uh, Ripley and this alien. And it's strange because, you know, 
the last 20 minutes of the movie is no dialogue. It's just, you know, Ripley running around, escaping the alien. You got that awesome scene where the lights just keep flashing. And that's where you see the alien not kill the cat and stuff. And that's when you wonder what's, what's going on with that cat. And that's when you, you're lead, led to believe things at the end. That light thing, though, I, I realized watching this again, why? And, and you realize how many movies fucking pull from Alien. Oh, how many God. horror movies, you know? And, like, they're considered tropes, but they weren't necessarily considered considered tropes back then. That was just doing it really well. Now it's like we take that stuff for granted, but damn, dude, the lighting in this movie, and then, like you said, when they're flickering like that, oh, oh. my God, forget it. Really, and it adds to the tension, man. Like, the, the everything is perfect with this. Um, then... You know, we get to, you know, Ripley sets uh, Ridley. Yeah, I said, I keep, I wonder if I got the wrong name. Uh, Ripley sets the self destruct button for the whole spaceship, which you think would be harder and you need more authority and approval to do, seeing as how they, uh, you know, grilled her in part two. Like, you would think <laughs> that it wouldn't be so easy for somebody to set that off, but yeah, it was. And um, so she goes, does it, thinking that she's going to blow up the whole spaceship, alien intact, everyone's dead anyway, there's no point, she can get to Earth with the escape pod thing, Uh, she doesn't care, so she goes in, and she's all happy, she's safe, Uh, so Sigourney Weaver has no ass. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's get Um, to the true. That is true. Yeah, her legs go right up to her back, let's face it, uh, I... I, why would you do that shot? Like, I'm I'm just not understanding. Like, the guys saw her walking around in that underwear, obviously, while they were filming it. Like, who says, you know, you know what we got to get her to do? She should lean over the equipment. And we'll because nobody had asses back then. <laughs> in 1979, it was all about being skinny. And, like, 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 super skinny. Nobody had asses. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, thank God things changed that way, huh? I mean, look at... And don't you think that underwear, the the cut of that underwear is so unflattering? Yes. Right. I it mean, is. it's just... Uh, but remember the girl from uh, Friday 2 with... Uh, same yeah. thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. boy, yeah. Jamie. Oh, nice reference. Even the same color almost. Good point. Oh, nice I reference. think Sigourney Weaver had the nipples to make up for no ass, though. Ah, yeah, her body is tight, man. That stomach boy. Woo. All I gotta yeah. say is it's cold in space. Ha <laughs> ha Nobody can hear you scream, but everyone can see your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a really great use of music. The Jerry Goldsmith music, uh, it just drops out when she's in that thing and she's doing stuff on that escape pod. It just creates so much tension. You just know something bad's gonna happen and it it's funny like these guys know how to use music and how to not use music (laughs) it's like they just can't do wrong now here's the big question so this alien puts his hand out shows that he's on the or shows that it's on the ship um why would you say why do you think the alien doesn't just go up to her and and give her the uh the death punch, the tongue death punch. Like, why does it not attack her in any way, shape, or form? Did I miss something? Did she injure it or something? And it was sort of hurt, and that's why it was hiding up in the corner. I have no idea. <laughs> I know she got it with the pipes earlier. Well, I always wonder: um, was he sleeping? Because you you kind of get the impression that he didn't realize she was even there. So it's like, 
was is because he's all curled up and you know he's just like la 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 and I'm like is he it, and it seems like an odd time to take a nap you know considering everything that's been going on like all the, I mean he's been through a lot recently yeah but <laughs> hey, alien, wake don't up. you think it's an it's an odd situ- like an odd situation in which to curl up and take a nap. I don't know what the going. Yeah, dude. I don't like unless he's like she's going to be coming in here. I'm going to hide and wait for her, and then he falls asleep. Is he asleep? I don't really. I was thinking about that the other night, and I'm like, I just I'm not quite sure about that scene. I know maybe he's just old and he needs a nap. You guys talked about his growth process being so quickly. <laughs> maybe he's just really old and he needs a nap. Yeah, he's like a, a 97 year old at this point. Exactly. <laughs> He's living in the nursing home, bro. He's ready to fucking retire. Now, everybody complains that you don't get to see the alien. Now, I feel like you saw exactly the right amount of alien. I know I sound like a typical like defender of the movie or whatever, but uh, I'm not even saying it that way. I've, I really believe you see plenty of the alien. I mean, I think it's kept in the shadows the right way the whole other time. You see pretty good close-ups of the face the whole time. You get body shots here and there, and... And then this whole ending, I mean, you couldn't see any more of them if you wanted to. Yeah, and, and we've seen too much Alien, uh, fucking AVP Requiem, and, and too much Alien is definitely not a good thing. You've yeah. seen when the aliens go totally CGI, and it's done by fucking people that don't know really know what they're doing. And, and that's, dude, that's what makes these movies even greater, too, because of those shitty sequels you re- realize, oh, okay, yeah, you could go this route with the story, like, you know, whole battle fucking thing, and yeah, it's it's cool to think of. Maybe it's cool for a comic book, but those movies are fucking trash, dude. Like when you keep the alien in its in its um in its comfort zone, so to speak, you know, up in the fucking rafters taking a nap. When you keep them up there and, and in the dark and and in the horror, it's more creepy, setting, isn't it? It's so isn't, creepy, dude. Isn't it more scary that you sort of get glimpses in while he's in that thing and not, and you don't see his whole body like exactly like that makes it way better yep you know it's big that's all you really right. need to- right yeah so now how do you guys feel about the whole climactic ending there's no battle she'll shoot at him dive behind this shoot at him dive behind that he claws her nothing like that it's just her getting into a spacesuit and um then it's sort of in it's right in front of her and then she hits a button opens the thing he gets sucked out. She stays in because she did, you know, she hooked herself up to something. Then he gets blasted away or whatever. I, I falls into one of the one of the rockets or something, and she hits the fucking button, and that right. fucking blows even more. And but the, the thing about that whole scene, though, and, and I, I agree, it's like it's not like a battle back and forth, but the tension in that scene, how she slips into that suit and she does it, and she's singing that song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff, dude. Oh, my God. That's like the best ending because that just shows how much of a badass she is. She's keeping her cool. She's thinking with her head. She knows what she has to do to get that fucker out of there because she knows, dude. She can't go against this thing fucking hand-to-hand combat. I mean, what? Well, she didn't have to. What do you think? What about that aspect that if the thing didn't even present the idea? Like, it didn't create a, a, a climactic battle. Did it make it less of an ending? Like, do you feel this is a climactic, huge, great ending? Was it satisfying in that way? It was. It was satisfying enough. It, it maybe could have been better, but but that's the thing. It's like you could go in 
many different directions with that and and i like that aspect uh, like i said she was fucking cool about it and she knew how to get him out she knew she couldn't win that way so that's how she beat it she fucking sucked it out of the thing and fucking blasted it in space i mean and the thing is with these movies dude i mean like you said you got so many different op- options of how to fucking do an alien movie and i thought that this ending fit perfectly with what the movie is I agree. I think that the ending that we got fits the tone of the rest of the film very well. And I don't think it required anything more. It would have been almost over the top and, like, way too much if they did anything else, you think? I'm glad you said that, though, bro, because look at the ending to the next movie, Aliens, and that totally fits that movie, too. But you take that ending and and throw it into... the, I mean, because that's the action, quote unquote, action ending that that you would want to see, uh, and and that's satisfying on all levels too. Fucking, you know, when that big fucking machine, dude. I mean, it's it's the complete contrast to what this is. But I right. think that's what makes this movie um, a horror movie and and contained and built suspense and does all those things. And Aliens does as well, but it's more action-oriented, more fucking shoot him up at the end, more bat... Not shoot him up, I'm sorry. She fucking grabs him with the fucking claw thing or whatever. And, and Well, there is a lot of shoot him up. There is a lot of shoot him That too, that too. But just in terms of like how they end it, um, I think both endings fit each movie perfectly, dude. Like, it's, it's, it's like a little cherry on top. Uh, on each on each of the movies, but, I guess the extended ending here is what is the real thing. Like you think it's over, but it's still inside. That's really, that's that's the that's the the capitalization or whatever on on, on everything. Enough. I I thought that was enough, and and then how she did kill it. I thought all of that. Yeah, I I didn't think it was really missing anything. No, no, okay. and especially with aliens being what aliens is, and and delivering on on a lot of those other aspects that you didn't necessarily get in this movie it's such a great companion piece to it that no yeah. no problems and i'd say maybe if aliens wasn't made then maybe yeah, it could be yeah it's kind of a missed opportunity man i wish they would have done this i wish they would have done that blah 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 but since you have aliens you're good yeah. that's it man game over game over man <laughs> uh okay so uh, any overall wrap-up thoughts before we rate this i guess we gave every thought right Pretty much, man. Overall, like this movie was so fucking dope, dude. And I remember seeing it as a kid, dude, and I totally got it. I got why there was like this, this, this legendary fucking aura around this movie. Right. And so good. And that was one of my first tastes of like hearing things about a movie and then being like, well. I'm- I gotta see this for myself, cause you know what I mean. Cause like I never really heard that much hype of a movie before. Oh man! And then having it pay off though was like, oh, I get it now. And having that realization that was big for me. That was probably this was probably the first movie that ever did that for me. So it's like special in my own heart. Where it's like, yeah, it totally lived up to that. And like Jamie said, it's on so many lists, dude. Fucking Alien is one of the fucking top movies of all fucking time, dude. You cannot fuck with this movie. Remember how I thought it was going to be so boring? (laughs) Yeah, aren't you glad you watched it? How dumb am I, huh? <laughs> God, everyone's like, what? Boring. Why does that look boring to you? But, yeah, I'm an idiot. What can I say? So now I get to live the rest of my life with this in my life, even though it came out the same year I was born, so figuratively I could have had it this whole time. <laughs> but, oh, well. What are you going to do? Uh, so, yeah, so rating. Jamie, how do you rate Alien? 1979. It's a five. Five out of five. 
no question. It's uh, we just had our this past Halloween. We did our best Halloween ever, mm-hmm. where we pretty much took turns picking the very best in horror and watching one a night. Um, and this one was one of the early ones that we did. Uh, it was you think of the best in horror, and this immediately flies out of the brain. It's it's right there. Absolutely, you know, uh, it's. It really is, and it's amazing that this is so good that it even inspired more of the best with a thing. So that's that's amazing. When you're the the best and it can inspire more best, Dan, how do you rate this officially? Oh, man, uh, 4.5. I fucking love it, dude. I love this movie. And like I said, this movie's so, like, ingrained in the culture, and for good reason. And I also look at this. It's funny that you said Halloween movies, too, because th- this is one of those bumper movies uh, getting people into horror. You know, what's a good movie that, that you would give me that's fucking really scary? And, and yet at the same time, you don't want to throw them like a piece of shit either. You want right. to throw them the best of the best. Kick Alien their way, dude. And, and you know, You're pretty people safe come in. Yeah, people come with such like weird things like oh is that just a sci-fi movie or well i heard it's 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 a lot of different things but overall that's just a damn good fucking movie dude so yeah 4.5 how about you uh same thing 4.5 it's uh amazing i love it it just keeps getting better like i've engulfed myself in this movie for this review and I gotta tell you, I love it way more now. I, like, I really, really liked it when I first saw it. And again, and then again, and the more I keep seeing it, man, it's like one of those things where you notice things in it before, you get to experience the atmosphere, like that amazing inside of the spaceship again and again. You get to really look around, and, and I love it. And then I'm getting more in tune with what's happening what they're saying oh this is what they meant by that oh that's what they were referring to oh you know like this is a movie that you benefit from by watching it over and over again so i'm at the peak of me loving this movie well alex i i want uh dude i would strongly suggest out of everything you just said too go see prometheus so then you can see the the new one too because that i mean this is the thing about this franchise too Alien and Aliens have always been the best of the best, yes. But over time, dude, with the sequels, with the Alien vs. Predator movies, yes, they made two of them. Um, My enthusiasm and a lot of people's has been completely fucking slighted because of those movies. So it's like, all right, yeah, I'm not really into it. But Ridley Scott coming back, uh, you know, doing Prometheus, um, and we're right back into that, into that sweet spot so to speak so like now is such a great time to be reintroduced to this franchise so that's why i'm happy we're covering these movies and uh yeah man i can't wait to see the new one me too so yep that's our ratings guy five four point five four point five great flick great time doing this uh so glad we did it finally (laughs) you know uh so yeah guys uh it's alien day we hope you liked this show uh, we love the movie, and we recommend you watch Aliens as well. I saw three and four recently, like I said, and I think you should watch them. I think they were good. They're solid. I don't think I don't think it was a bad one in the bunch, really. I mean, they're not really they're not anywhere epic like the first two, uh, but I don't think you should think they are. So you'll have a fun time. You know, it has a pretty good cast and stuff like that too. Yeah, so then, yeah, you can skip Alien vs. Predator movies if you want or whatever, and then watch Prometheus, which I'm going to do right after we land back on Earth. 
Because <laughs> I don't think they have it over here at uh, LV426, so they don't have Prometheus. I checked the video store. They got, they got, they got fucking, uh, they got Pong. <laughs> yeah, they have Pong because everything's Atari over here. <laughs> Next show, Aliens. Not Alien Part 2, not Alien 2, but Aliens. <laughs>